Hello and welcome to Studio Class. I am Megan Enan, your host and diva sidekick. Wondering how to build your singing career and still make enough money to survive? It's not always easy, and we certainly didn't cover this during Studio Class at school. However, I'm here to give you the micro-actions that over time will transform your relationship to your career. Let's do this. I like the rock and roll music and I like to do the cha-cha-cha. I like the rock and roll music and I like to do the cha-cha-cha. Thanks for joining me for episode number two. This episode is brought to you by 29 Days to Diva from the Sybaritic Singer. If you're ready to truly maximize your diva potential, 29 Days to Diva is a course designed for you. Be one of the first people to hear about the launch in February 2017 by visiting bit.ly slash 29 Days to Diva. In this second episode, we're covering your goal for today is act now. Number two, stay hungry and stay privately foolish. And finally, invite your fear over. Here we go. When you avoid what you fear, your anxieties will worsen over time. Imagine, for example, you develop an irrational fear of tall bridges. Not like me at all. No, sorry, that's not one of my fears. Hmm. That Chesapeake Bay Bridge became something of a nemesis for me. But as my best friend always says, sometimes it's good to have a nemesis. But that's a story for another day or another episode. (laughs) The Chesapeake Bay Bridge became this looming monster that I didn't have to commute over regularly, but I did have to traverse it every so often throughout the year. Somehow I did it every time. I drove over that bridge in a snow and ice storm on my way to sing a bunch of Jezwaldo motets on the eastern shore. I also drove over that bridge in incredible traffic through a particularly menacing thunderstorm after risking life and limb on a jet ski after a fun summer weekend. I don't think I'll ever be doing that again. (laughs) But that pit in my stomach grew at the thought of spending time crossing it. It wasn't so much that the bridge was long, but that it's so high. I started to dwell on just how much time I would have to face my fate after I inevitably somehow made it through or over the guardrails. How much time I would have to plummet through the air before my car breached the surface of the water, and how I would curse the vertical navigational clearance of 186 terrifying feet and the designers of J.E. Griner Company Incorporated of Baltimore, Maryland. Yes, accidents happen on bridges. For example, the Chesapeake Bay Bridge has handled hundreds of millions of vehicles over 64 years, 28 million between July 1st, 2011 and June 30th, 2012 alone. And during that time, just two accidents have caused vehicles to go over the side. So my fears about the Chesapeake Bay Bridge are pretty unfounded. I'm a good driver. I follow the speed limit and I don't change lanes while crossing the bridge. I make sure that my vehicle's in proper condition to make the trip, but the fears, while unfounded, still show up each time I have to make that journey. Divas, maybe some of you also have that same pit in your stomach when you have specific journeys to make in your diva life. Now, I understand that the negative outcomes of our singing fears are entirely different from my bridge crossing fears. 
The avoidance of what we fear, however, is exactly the same. Human beings fear rejection. Biologically, we're wired with a longing to belong. We fear being seen in a critical way. We will actively avoid situations in which we feel the potential to be rejected. A big part of our fear of rejection may be our fear of experiencing hurt and pain. Obviously, that's where my bridge fear comes into play, that experiencing hurt and pain. But avoiding things in my singer life are just the same, that fear of rejection, of that psychological hurt and pain. Our aversion to unpleasant experiences prompts behaviors that don't serve us, especially in our singing careers. We tend to withdraw from people rather than risk reaching out. We hold back from expressing our authentic feelings. We also abandon others and opportunities before they have a chance to reject us. But not singers, though. No, no. Musicians pursue those opportunities. We pursue rejection. It's crazy. Divas put themselves out on a limb constantly. They open themselves up to feedback and constructive criticism from teachers, coaches, mentors, adjudicators, and audiences. They understand they will hear no more often than yes. But it's that dogged persistence in the face of rejection that makes the yes so much sweeter. And as attributed to Mark Twain, but seriously, what isn't these days? The quote goes, why not go out on a limb? That's where the fruit is. So sometimes we're so afraid of criticism and rejection that we don't perform at our best. When we keep our creativity under wraps and succumb to nerves or anxiety, we give up our ability to add to the world. We become a black hole rather than a wellspring. Auditions, performances, even social situations are opportunities for us to put ourselves out there. And that's the part that can be terrifying, but can also be the most growth-inducing. When we have rejection experiences, we group those memories in a place throbbing with that constant, I told you you're not good enough refrain. It's to our advantage to reframe our thinking so that so-called rejection can become a positive lesson. Rather than plunging into that desolation zone, you can look for the value in each situation and gather feedback to impart on your next performance. Having a personal agenda beyond simply getting the gig can be a really useful tool for finding each opportunity's value. So I really love this advice from Carol Kirkpatrick, which she published on her, on her website, Aria Ready. If you haven't read her book yet, I highly recommend it, and I'll link to it in the show notes. And her quote goes, It is not unusual, no matter how well you feel you performed, not to get picked if you are auditioning in your first round of professional auditions. The first season of auditions are generally more about you introducing yourself to the professional world of opera. If you are an unknown commodity, you need to let those hiring get to know you and your talent. The performing community is a small one and word travels, and boy does it ever. So be at your best on all fronts. Until you get your foot on the first rung of that proverbial professional opera ladder, Continue getting all the experience you can, and don't be afraid to audition for the same people again next year. Oftentimes, they're interested in knowing what's new on your resume, how your voice has grown, and also what your rejection level is. Did last year's no's make you quit, or did it make you even more committed? So divas, I want to see you be brave, and your goal for today is to act now. So first things first, stop avoiding your fear of rejection. 
If you are willing to act, you can practice getting over your fears. There's a sneaky self-preservation tactic singers employ when they do not pursue opportunities. Perhaps you are not as talented as you have believed for so long. And if you don't test those assumptions, you will never have to face rejection. It is flawed thinking to say the least, but people do it all the time. Please don't misunderstand me. If you do not get the gig from the audition that does not confirm your inability, I mean that you cannot have an actual singing business if you do not do any singing business. Go take that audition by storm, diva. I want to see you be brave. Take this podcast, for example. Studio class is an opportunity for me to act now. There are so many people writing insightful singing blogs and making cool singer podcasts. It would be easy for me to say, oh, let them do that. I don't have to put anything out there. But I feel called to do this. I enjoy doing this. I want to continue serving my friends who read The Sybaritic Singer with more ways to chat about the things we really love in life. So I'm taking the plunge and putting this work out into the world. And I'm really glad you're here and joining me. Which brings me to my second point. Stay hungry and stay foolish. Appearing foolish isn't as life-threatening as people make it out to be. Taking healthy risks may feel uncomfortable, but it isn't a mortal threat. There's a reason why they're called, quote-unquote, growing pains. A painful or negative stimulation may cause you to act more swiftly to change the status quo. Don't let the fleeting pain of feeling foolish make you feel like you cannot pursue your passion. Don't get me wrong. It is very easy for me to pull up memories of times that I have felt foolish and feel that rush of shame immediately coursing through my body. I feel my cheeks redden. I feel the muscles in my shoulders tighten up as though I'm about to defend myself. It isn't easy to overcome that fleeting pain of feeling foolish. But recall a time when you felt foolish or rejected in a singing experience. I want to know, what did you do to address those insecurities for the next time? If you answered nothing or you have avoided similar experiences, take a moment to brainstorm ways that you could become more confident in those areas. One of the areas, for example, in which it can be easy to feel foolish is the regular chit-chat that we have to do with people in our business lives. If we don't feel naturally extroverted, we may feel awkward when trying to connect with other professionals in our industry. It is an excellent thing to build this into your practice time. It may feel weird at first, but that's the point, is that practice announcing yourself to a room in a way that seems bubbly or smooth, confident or authentic, whatever words best describe your ideal self that you're trying to put forth in an audition setting. These types of interactions can be built into your practice time. Just like you would check your bright E tongue position in the mirror, watch yourself as you practice your introductions or asking nonchalant questions. It does pay off, I promise. You know how we make all sorts of weird or seemingly foolish sounds in voice lessons or practice rooms? That's the point right there. Make all the sounds in the practice room so you can feel in control when you're performing. The same goes for other awkward situations that might come up. Practice the foolishness out of your feared situations. Then rely on the muscle memory you've built to be authentic while staying co calm, cool, and collected. Finally, I want you to invite your fear over. Truth be told, I just cleaned my apartment this last weekend like I was trying to get my deposit back. You know that point in the semester or the busy season of your year when things just begin to cool down and you look around your living situation and you say to yourself, 
what in the world happened here? <laughs> Maybe that's just me, but I took a look around and decided to get to work. Unrelated pro tip for the divas who like to have a little extra direction when cleaning the house, I use this really great app called Unbleep Your Habit. The bleep starts with an F. I'll let you guess. I'll also link to it in the show notes just in case. Anyway, think about the type of cleaning and housework you do before you have a guest over for the weekend. Why do we do it? Because we want our guests to be comfortable and not judge us for living in squalor. When you go out on a limb for more opportunities, you will work your patootie off to make sure that you're ready. Just like when you have a guest over, you work your patootie off to clean your apartment. When you go out there and seek out those auditions, you're going to work your patootie off to make sure that you are ready. Bob Frank, who's a a singer-songwriter and performer, makes this great point that goes, whether one makes a living at this depends only on the number of hours per week one devotes to making phone calls. The more phone calls you make, the less emotional freight each individual phone call carries. At some point, when speaking to the presenter, you begin to realize and take responsibility for the fact that it really is your responsibility and not theirs whether you make a living. At that point, you are free to treat the presenter with some compassion. And at that point, folks will stop dreading your phone calls. The more auditions you take, responsibly, of course, the more experience you will teach will teach you to reframe your feelings on rejection. So remember that you are in control of how you feel. Only you. If you let fears of rejection take over your mind and actions, you will burn out in a hurry, darling. You are able to create a personal agenda for each opportunity, which allows for other value rather than just getting the gig. Remember my point about career pounds in the last episode? If and when rejection happens, because it does happen, Give yourself some time to wallow and feel all the feelings. Then when you are ready to move on, plan some time to do a post-mortem review. And that's when you figure out how you can improve for the next go-round. Divas, thanks for joining me today. I'm really curious, what is the most important feedback you've ever gotten from an audition that didn't go your way? That is such valuable information. I would love to know more about how you bounced back and came out swinging again. So please find me in the Twitterverse. I'm at Mezzoinen, M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. I'd love to hear from you. And until next time, divas, here's to a new year of being healthy, wealthy, and wise. for joining me for the second episode of Studio Class brought to you by the Sybaritic Singer. Many thanks to Juanitos for the music featured in this episode. Any of the links I discussed in this episode will also be included in the show notes. Do you have questions about this podcast or the information I've presented here? Please go to thesybariticsinger.com and get in touch. <laughs>